Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you've got a passion for pumpkin, you've got to get to Dunkin' and pick these up. Our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam. And our delicious pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. And our perfectly pumpkin donuts, munchkin treats, pumpkin muffins, and more. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Pick your pumpkin at Dunkin', like our new pumpkin cream cold brew, pumpkin spice signature latte, and our perfectly pumpkin treats. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 355. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local. Hey, hey. How's it going, my friend? My friend, my friend, I can't speak today for some reason. <laughs> Super great. It's all those drugs you're on. Yeah, well, it's the fact <laughs> that I'm not on it. Maybe I'm in withdrawal. Uh, for those who are listening, I put my back out yesterday quite badly and... Um, I'm not on any meds right now, but yeah, it definitely has an effect. <laughs> I've, I've been telling you for, for months and months to get a ramp instead of having to walk up those stairs to your portal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, if it was that bad. Oh, dear God. No, it was lifting kayaks and uh, my wife says my, my boy's new kayak is just too heavy. Anyway. Well, make your boy lift it. Yeah, he's only 10. <laughs> Can't do much. And he's, hey, yeah. kid, kids in countries overseas are like working 40 hours and making a very good wage at 10 years old. You should be able to have your kid lift a Very good wage. <laughs> anyway, we're not going there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, let's jump into this. Keep our uh, focus here. So uh, first is about Googlebot and how it's running the latest Chrome. Uh, this is uh, big news in our world. Um, Many probably don't understand why, uh, but the, the, the fact is Googlebot is what indexes our sites. And, it under, and in order to index it, it should be up to, using up-to-date technology to do that. Well, as of recent, I'm not sure what the date, if there's a date, but um, Google has, Googlebot is now updated to be using the latest Chromium version. So in other words, Chrome, but the Chromium version um, of the browser as its systems for indexing. Now, Chrome is updated regularly with the latest technology, so this is very big news. Well, just to help people understand the difference between Chrome and Chromium, Chromium is the underlying technology for the browser, mm -hmm. and, and other people can use it. I, I, I honestly think that for a long time, Apple had an underlying technology that a lot of people were using, then Chrome came out, or Chromium came out. Google built Chrome on top of Chromium, but I think there's other people also building browsers on top of that. Yeah, and it's it's... As we know, anyone Chrome user is pretty impressive. Uh, it's got a good system. It's not exactly the lightest on resources on computer, but <laughs> it is pretty stable, which is fantastic. Yeah, computers are like bandwidth; they're they're able to handle more and more. You know, you just kind of have to update them on a regular basis. Yeah. So apparently, uh, Googlebot now supports one thousand plus new features that are within the Chromium browser now. Um, before uh, they, and it's very technical. If you want to go and read about it, I'm not even going to bother. I mean, <laughs> this is very technical it's stuff. Definitely, it's definitely not at 101 level stuff. No, but 101 
the one-on-one aspect of it is that, you know, if you're using any uh, newer technologies on your site and you're concerned that it won't be indexable, you know, still check into it, but you're going to have a higher chance of finding out that it does index it quite well. Um, now that said, uh, um, Javis, uh, Ajax, asynchronized JavaScript, um, does still require Google to come back and re-render content. It will have to do a two-round index. So you don't expect that to be fixed right away. Um, that's yeah. the sort of thing that still, still takes more resources. And to be really, really clear, Flash is still not indexable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, we should cover that once a year, shouldn't we? Yeah, just, just to update everybody, yep, still can't use Flash. Content's not indexed. You can use it, but don't expect it to be found in search. Right, and, and this is all part of the uh, Google I.O. conference. They do it once a year uh, where they release a lot of news about their technology and improvements, and uh, that's going to be a big focus of our show today because there's a lot of news out there right now. Yeah, a lot of stuff comes out, and there's a lot of videos of it too. So if, if you're interested, you know, search for videos around Google I.O., um, I'm, I got one saved that I want to watch about all the new features coming to like the, the Google Home and all that um, smart home Ooh, stuff. Send that to me, please. Yeah, I will. I, I've got to catch up on that too. I mean, I've been reading, but a video would be great. Um, next up, Google is now rolling out podcast results in search. Uh, and this is uh, obviously of interest to us. Uh, I did take a, a peek and I don't know. I think my personalized results might be messing things up, although you'd think that would make it show up more. But I don't see it. Of course, I am in Canada, so you may want to check it out, um, John. I don't know. Maybe you'll see it. I, I haven't. I haven't done that yet. Yeah. Anyway, uh, SEO 101 podcast. Just kind of curious to see if it shows up. Uh, but one thing here, I'll just uh, take a quote from the Search Engine Land article. As Zach Renewadim from Google clearly, clearly said, this is a step towards making audio a first-class citizen across Google. Unquote. Those who produce podcasts can finally get more visibility and search to their content. Make sure to use podcast markup to ensure you get the most visibility from your audio files. My guess is we're not using podcast markup. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, the thing that gets me is, uh, and, and this is just pure ignorance. I'm, I'm learning a lot about podcasting these days because I want to launch another one for uh, first Dennis. What well, we did one for a while, but it just sort of fizzled. fizzled. So we're <laughs> trying to do it right. But um and I don't know, like, if it's on iTunes, does it all of a sudden have that podcast markup? I don't know. I mean, I think it depends on where it's coming from, right? It, in the search results, because our iTunes listing, I was just looked, you know, it shows recent episodes, and you can play them straight from the search results, but I don't see any of the, uh, the new stuff tied to it. So I don't know if there's podcast markup or not. I mean, there must yeah. be some because of the re recent episodes. Yeah, I mean, what I'm getting at, I guess, for, for the listener's sake is, you know, if you are being syndicated and you are on other platforms like Stitcher, iTunes, and iHeartRadio, do you have to worry about adding any markup because it's probably done on their own systems? Uh, I don't know. Well, at the same time, Webmaster Radio is like the number one result for so for our, our SEO 101 podcast. So our it site should have it there. Yeah. Yeah, and I know the site's outdated, so maybe that's something that's going to have to come down the line. Maybe we can put a little pressure. Come on, guys. Yeah. Update, update, update. Okay. So anyway, that's great news. I do think, well, it's obvious to anyone who's been in the, um, listening to podcasts and watching the growth that it's exploding. Yeah, so, it's booming right now. Yeah, there's a lot of content out there that should be indexable and, and, and available. Um, never mind, yeah, turning all that content into text. <laughs> which would be a Herculean task even for Google, but I'm sure it's on the, on the move. I'm definitely interested to see one of their auto, you know, their AI generated transcripts of one of our shows. <laughs> yeah. That'd be interesting. I mean, they, apparently they do fairly well with a single voice podcast and they do fairly well where there's really clear dif differentiation between um, two people on a podcast like you and I, mm -hmm. when people are talking over or talking right up against each other, apparently it has some tough times. Well, and I imagine it has difficulty with slang too. Um, yeah. A lot of us, you know, there's lots of, uh, well, we try to be minimal, but 
to face it, there is baffle gap even in our industry that we we spell occasionally. So, yeah. You know, words that are just sort of made up. It sounds like yeah, industry jargon is going to be an issue for those guys because you know there's quite a few different industries that all have their own jargon. Yeah. All right. What's up next here? Um, so Google has officially launched FAQ and how to structured data markup. So mm -hmm. schema FAQs and how to structured is now part of the official Google uses it. Um, there's, there's a really good post um, that talks about differentiations between them. I think one of the clear things to understand is there's a differently a difference between FAQ structured data and question and answer markup structured data. So there's actually two different things. Um, FAQ is like a standard FAQ page. Here's a question. Here's an answer. Here's a question. Here's an answer. Here's a question. Here's an answer. Q and A markup is like if you're. It's it's mostly what I'm seeing is being used for forums. Like if if a forum has a Q and A section, the question is the top will get, the, and then all you can have multiple answers. Where FAQ is here's a question and here's one answer. With Q and A markup, it's here's a question, here's a bunch of different answers, and there might be votes on which is the best answer and that kind of stuff. So make sure you're using the right kind of schema markup when you're looking at these. You have this. The how-to is very interesting too because there's actually now in the how-to, um, there's a way to use this markup even if you don't have a website, which I thought was really interesting. Huh. Um, basically, is for people who like produce how-to videos on YouTube. You can actually submit a spreadsheet with your video that has titles and sections broken down for the how-to pieces, so you can get this markup and you can and you can use it on your videos. Even if you don't have a website, you're just producing Wild. videos. Use it that way. So that's pretty interesting what they're doing with this stuff. <laughs> Fascinating. All right, one more bit here before we take a break. What's this about the Search Console? Um, Search Console is, uh, it's interesting. If, you, if you're using Search Console, you know for a fact that they are changing it dramatically. They're switching everything from the old version to the new version. Slowly. Well, slowly. And it's been over <laughs> months and months and months. One of the things that's been useful for people in the old version is called the change of address tool. And the change of address tool, you use it if you're changing domains primarily. You don't need to do it really other than that's, I can't think of another reason why you would use it, but that's that's how you use it. Say you're going from one domain to another for your website for whatever reason. It's never recommended, but sometimes people have to do it. Um, they have a tool where you can say, here's the old domain, here's the new domain, we're changing our address. Well, that tool has not been working since May 2nd. Um, so it's been a while since it's been working. Um, Barry, in his article he wrote, he kind of guessed, and I, I agree with him that I'm not even sure they're, we're not even sure Google is going to fix it because it only currently exists in the old version of Search Console, not the new version. Oops. So they may actually either be launching a new type of tool or just getting rid of it completely. Um, we don't know. But I just hope that, you know, in the interests of their users, that if it's going to be a while before they bring it to the new one, they should fix the, the old one. Or turn off the old one too so people don't apparently when you try to use it it just doesn't do anything at all so, <laughs> so why waste people's time right <laughs> just if you're not going to fix it get, get rid of it cruel just, joke yeah all right well let's take a quick break and we come back uh, we're going to talk about another piece of news from google search console seo 101 will be back right after recess What if you had access to analytics from the most visited sites on the web? Think about real-time sales and signups from Amazon and Netflix, stats and engagement from Slack and HubSpot, all on one patented platform. That's Nacho Analytics. Nacho is perfect for details on your product design and development, instant for influencer info, and fantastic for real-time financial figures. Level the playing field today for your business with Nacho. What are you doing? All this nacho talk got me hungry. Level the playing field today for your business with nachoanalytics.com. Seriously? Or It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. 
Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences, marketing on purpose. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. We can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the director of SEO for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So Google Search Console, Console has a new speed report. It's only available uh, upon request. It's in beta. Um, have you seen it, John? I've only seen the screen caps that they showed at I.O., so I haven't seen it live in action. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's interesting um, because of the fact, you know, you, you can go to, you can go to the current speed tools and they'll give you, you know, you put in your URL and they'll do a run a test on the page and they'll give you a, a one to a hundred score and give you some ideas of what's right and wrong. This one's actually interesting because it looks at all the pages of your site and tells you which ones are fast, medium or slow. Um, it's more of a holistic view of your site's page speed than an individual page level page speed where they give you diagnostics. And yet you apparently can, dive deeper into issues. Um, yes, it gives you an aggregated view, but you can then go into the metrics of what's slowing things down or speeding things up and uh, you know, find more about those specific issues. Which is awesome. Yeah, which, yeah. It's great. I, I'm glad they're improving these as they go because I don't know, it, it's, it's always been interesting, but a bit of a joke, uh, the, the, the page speed tool. It's had some, some major issues, but I know a lot of those have been corrected over the last years. Uh, this is even better. And if you're using some of those individual like GT metrics or the, the Google page speed tools, it really is only a one page at a time thing, right? You put your homepage in and you're like, oh, great. Look at this. Our homepage is, is doing awesome. And then you put a product page in and, it, you know, and it's doing horrible. And unless you know to do individual pages of diff- different types, you might think your, your entire site is doing great because your homepage is, right? This is great that it has that holistic aggregated view so you can really see throughout the entire site. It's going to piss off the odd company that's trying to launch a service that does your whole site. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I'm sure there are a few. Yeah. It wouldn't be the first type of company that Google's pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently it's based on a platform called uh, Crux. Crux. Oh, maybe it's just Chrome UX. I see. That's just a, uh, no, maybe not. Huh. I don't know. It says this report is powered off of C-R-U-X data, so Crux data. Anyway, who knows? Maybe that was a company they bought. Because it doesn't seem like Chrome would be C-H. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Oh, that's done. <laughs> um, so if, if anybody gets access, go to our Google Facebook page and tell us what you think about it. Yeah. Uh, be really interested to, to hear. And if, if, if I get access, or Ross, if you do, let's, let's post something on there. Absolutely. Okay, so next up, Google Assistant moves from the cloud to the phone and is now up to 10% or 10 times faster, I mean. So what this means is if you were using Google Assistant, you're doing an inquiry or anything like that, and you didn't have a connection to the internet, um, well, it really didn't work because <laughs> it had to go online to understand what you were saying and then come back with a command. It was slower. Well, now it's actually going to be running from your phone. Well, not now. In the future, they've already got this built, but it's going to first come to the Pixel handsets. Uh, that's Google's phone. 
And then uh, I imagine they'll be rolling out to the other Android phones over time. Uh, it, this is great, though, because it, they, what they've done is they've managed to compress the footprint of their uh, voice recognition system and I guess to a degree their AI um, into a less, I think it's a 500 megabyte size, just nuts. What, what, ha what happens if you don't use Google Assistant on a phone and you only use it, say, as part of your smart home? Don't, no idea. Maybe, maybe it's going to be, um, no, I wouldn't imagine just sort of thinking this through as I talk, but I mean, I don't imagine the uh, hardware they have, at least the older hardware, like the original Google homes and the, the pucks are going to have the kind of processing power to do it there. So it's probably just phones. Otherwise those systems still need the internet and that connection. Obviously, if you've asked, you're asking a question that's not answered and answerable on your phone without internet, you're not going to get anywhere. But you know, if you ask it to schedule something in your calendar or something like that, then and it's all within your phone. I would imagine that's going to be possible at this point. It's a bit well, that of makes, guesswork. That does make sense. I can see that. Yeah. And this actually reminds me of something I heard the other day um, that Google is trying to rebrand the idea of a smartphone they want them to be called helpful phones instead of smartphones yeah. which, which is ridiculous <laughs> that's not that's gonna that's gonna go over as big as um oh what was that that social network they tried before google plus um orchid uh, whatever it was that we don't even remember the name of that's a, that's how popular this is going to be <laughs> <laughs> and i think it was orchid orchid was actually popular in brazil or something that was about it okay yeah. <laughs> uh oh well there's a place time and place for everything right yeah um all right so google has now updated uh, announced updates to news and search 3d support to search results and more so let's uh, go through this i need to go back to the actual page here on search engine land and again the title is google announced updates to news and search adds 3d 3d support to search results and more so let's start with and then, uh, yeah this is a lot of this is like a combination of a lot of things that came out of google io yeah exactly and, and the first one is uh, more info on google news um, they're rolling out improvements to the top stories uh, they're not just going to contain the most authoritative stories in the topic you search for but also sh will share information about the topic story timeline and even include playable podcasts uh woohoo anyway yeah. good. <laughs> they're basically just making me relearn re the news algorithm that's all they're doing yeah yeah gotta keep busy right job yeah. security um <laughs> and they'll even let you search within audio podcasts so i guess that comes back to them uh, understanding what the words are and, and indexing them which is yeah, doing the transcripts yeah. Um, the next part is that Google 3D objects um, is kind of a cool thing. So if you search the example they show here, but is if you search for, say, uh, great white shark um, and the research result comes up and, you, of course, you've got your uh, universal listings, which include uh, everything from a, a Wikipedia listing to uh, latest news about a shark that was caught or tagged or whatever. Well, there may be one that's uh, a knowledge graph that has a button that says 3D. Um, and in that situation, you can click on that and it will appear in your phone uh, in a 3D format swimming. And it'll look real. Uh, then somehow, I'm not sure what button you press, uh, it will appear in augmented reality in your space. Oh, there it is. It says view in your space once yeah. you look at it in 3D. It's kind of cool. You'll have a great white shark in your living room. There you go. It is cool. <laughs> Maybe I can try and uh, get get that happening and then have my my son look like he's riding it or something. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> um, <clears throat> in the demo, they showed a 3D skeleton. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different applications, I guess, of it. Yeah. Next up is Google Lens. Now, uh, Google Lens... Um, uh, allows you to uh, look at content through your phone in an augmented reality fashion, and it will interpret it. That's always been how it, it has worked, as far as I know. I don't use it very much. Um, yeah, I think I've used it once. Uh, anyway, it is in, uh, including the ability to translate text in more than 100 languages, and will even read the text out aloud. Um, it's first coming to Google's lightweight search app, Google Go. I'm not sure what Google's baked into so many things now. I don't even know what Google Go is. 
It's I think it's the the app that you can use on the phones that are it's it's I think it's mostly for non Android phones. Maybe it's on Android, but I can download Google Go onto my iPhone. Cool. Yeah, it makes sense to be an iPhone-based system. Anyway, uh, it can also highlight popular items on a menu. Um, you can click star icons, overlay next to dishes in the menu, and see related view views and photos. Kind of cool. The interesting thing at the bottom of this paragraph talked about Google Lens. It says, Lens uses machine learning, computer vision, and facts from Google's knowledge graph to provide answers. So this, this tells me this feature from an SEO standpoint, the only thing that we should have any kind of worry about is knowledge graph, making sure that whatever we need to be in these lens answers is tied to knowledge graph. And it's, and apparently Google lens has answered more than a billion visual questions so far. Wow. Well, and then I don't imagine that's very much really in comparison to how much they get going through them, but well, well, they, get, they get, they get last time I checked, which was a year or two ago, it was 3.8 billion search queries a day. Yeah. So it's, it's a very, 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 very small percentage of what Google does, but it's still very interesting. Hmm. Well, and I imagine too, they would have had to have seen that menu beforehand and it must, you know, if the, the menu they use in this example, um, where it shows the star ratings and more information and reviews about some of the menu items, um, you know, they would have had to have seen it before. I don't think it's going to happen immediately, uh, but you know, a little okay. testing will tell. That's interesting because because they you take a picture of a menu for the example they're shown in here, and then it highlights different menu items in a different color, and you. I think it looks like you click on the, the menu item and it shows your reviews for that particular item on the menu which I think is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's VR or in AR. So I don't believe you even take a photo of it. It's just looking at it and yeah. Good point. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest to goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Using recognition. Huh. Wild. All right. Uh, Google Assistant is now bringing duplex to the web to help searchers complete tasks online, such as renting a car or buying movie tickets. Um, and there's a GIF of it in action on Google. You'll also see that within the article on Search Engine Land. Um, uh, to quote Google, we're extending duplex to the web, previewing how the Google Assistant can help you complete a task online, unquote. Um, so, so let me try to understand this and, and see if my my understanding of how this works compared to what you're thinking. So duplex originally was something tied specifically to Google Assistant, where you say, I'm not going to say it because my, my Google will go off, but you say, hey, and then you ask it to make an appointment with my, my hairdresser and it will call and it will do everything to set your appointment, then they'll tell you. Now you're saying it goes to the web, meaning you fill out a form and hit a button and then it does all that same stuff? I'll actually walk you through it. There's a GIF here that I'm playing. So okay. first, um, you would do the hey, and then uh, it'll ask, how can I help? Um, then you can say, book a car with National Car for my next trip. Uh, then it'll take you to National. It knows there's an upcoming trip, right? Um, so it says, okay, you're going to Chicago. Um, it knows your flight times uh, already. Is it based on your uh, whatever emails and such that are in your system? It already knows your contact deal, so it's able able to pre-fill forms. Um, yes, knows your credit card, bro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then it says, "Found a car. I, we found this car from your last reservation in the in the prices." So it highlights it. Um, so you can just click on that and go ahead if you want, um, or you can just say "select car." And then it will proceed. And then you had the ability to add options or extras uh, to select. Hmm. Uh, when you did press done, it handles the rest. You fill in your contact details and you click reserve and it will process. So. I'm going to have to see this in action because I'm, I'm still a little bit confused whether this is for a business to put on its website or if it's for a personal person. A personal person, interesting. A person, <laughs> a person I, I, I guess. For personal use. Yeah. I would think it's personal use. Um, it depends how much data is in your phone, right? Power users, it would be perfect for. But it's, they say they're bringing it to the web. So if it's for my personal use, 
where on the web is it? If it's on the if it's on the car dealers or the rental dealers website, I'm still a bit confused. I'll have to look yeah. at this and see how this works. Well, likewise. I mean, I don't know if this means you uh, the um, national car would have to add um, additional schema, perhaps, to enable this, mm-hmm. or there's certain uh, f- uh, formats that are required. For example, I mean, if you want to create a form that works almost always with Google Autofill, there are uh, certain things you need to do. Well, is that the same case here? I would imagine it is. Maybe it's in the maybe it's in the business's uh, business business profile on Google as well. Yeah. Maps. So many places now to optimize. I tell you, we're never going to be out of the job. (laughs) It's mind blowing. Uh, It's good. We like working. (laughs) It's fun too. It is fun. Yeah. Yeah. We get to totally geek out all the time. All right. uh, Let's do a Mueller file before we have a next break here. So (laughs) John had a good, uh, John Mueller had a good uh, comment here. It's about SEO contests. There's a one that's on right now for Wix, which asks, um, SEOs to uh, try to gain a top ranking for Wix SEO and whoever gets that top ranking will win $25,000. Oh, to be a little more specific. Okay. There's, it's a contest. I read this because I just, I could not believe they were doing another contest. They lost the the last one so bad. (laughs) So they changed (laughs) the format. Basically you can, you can qualify to participate and they basically narrow it down to two participants. Oh, And the two participants have to rank. There's two sites. There's one called Wix SEO Lovers and Wix SEO Haters.com. And you have whichever one of those two appears highest in the rankings at the end of the contest, whichever one. And it's just for agencies, by the way, or individual proprietors. So it's not open to just anybody. Um, And whichever one wins, you know, is ranked higher at the end of the contest wins. Right. So, so basically last time they took so much flack because they thought they could win and they lost bad. They didn't even put themselves in the contest this time. They just branded themselves into the contest. Hmm. But anyway, what did, what, did, what did John Mueller say about these contests? Well, so uh, let's see, here's the best, where's the best quote. Um, okay. Here it is. SEO contents are pretty useless. SEO contests never reflect real life performance. They generate a ton of spam that negatively affects the whole ecosystem. They're a big waste of time and effort. The smart approach to SEO contests is to ignore them, unquote. (laughs) He then added, if you're thinking of running or taking part in one, consider just improving your services overall, making the websites you work on stronger and better for the long run instead of trying to play useless short-term games. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're an SEO and you really want to prove yourself as the best SEO that can do SEO to Wix sites, I don't know. I, I don't even know what, know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like even Barry says here, and it's true. We've talked about Wix in the past. Um, you know, we've all kind of had to work on it, but Google has said Wix is fine for SEO, but Wix doesn't have that great of a reputation in the SEO community. Uh, yeah. Well, true. And let's, let's talk a little bit just for our new listeners and, and less experienced listeners, why something like Wix would be an issue for SEO, right? And it's not just Wix. It's a lot of these different um, hosted platforms where you go to a website and they build you a website that's hosted. You can point it to your own domain, but they manage everything on the back end for you called hosted websites. A lot of problems that, that that occur with these types of sites are that you might be really getting into SEO and you discover there's a problem with something on the back end code of your site that you want to get fixed. They can't fix it. It's not that they won't. It's that they can't fix it for your site without changing every other site that's hosted on that same back end platform. And they can't do that without the permission of every other person that, that's hosting on their platform. So they usually just will not address it for you. Um, <laughs> So it's like getting really cheap shared hosting, you know, yeah. try and get anything done to a server. Good luck. No way. Uh, yeah. It's going to affect everyone else. I mean, if, if you're not worried too much about SEO or really customizing your site, you just want something up there to so you have a web presence. Fine. But if you're yeah. interested in driving business and traffic and you want to make adjustments and you need more flexibility, those kind of hosted platforms are not going to work well for you. Yeah. The only one that um, if, if you had to choose one, the only one that I found has not bad. It, you know, it's if of all of them to pick is Squarespace. 
I've um, never, I don't think I've ever worked on a Squarespace site. Actually, yeah, it's 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 quite tolerable. You know, we've able we were, we've been able to get sites to rank on there when clients have refused to switch. And there, so that's there, that's something. Wix, of course, has worked as well, but it's it's ridiculously difficult compared to. And, and I can give you an example. There's a there's a mainstream e-commerce platform hosted that the big brands use. I mean, really big brands use this, and it's a it's a really flexible platform. But they have one, and I, I don't know if I should name them or not. Um, but they have one really clear issue that causes major problems that it's prevalent throughout their system and every site that's hosted on it is they separate the product pages for e-commerce from the navigation. So basically you can navigate to all these product pages, but the product pages themselves are all rel equal con rel canonicalized back to a, a, separate product page that's not actually in the navigation of the site. They rely on rel equals canonical to make sure that all these other ones don't get indexed and, and doesn't duplicate content problems. Um, but they're really, really, really relying very heavily on this rel equals canonical thing. And it, it causes a little bit of issues up front, but if Google ever decides to, to change the way that works, they are so screwed. And all these big brands that are hosted on those on that platform is also very screwed. So that's the kind of thing you have to watch out for with those hosted platforms. Wow. Yeah, that's a big deal. And if you if, uh, maybe if people want to know which one that is, they could contact you. Yeah, I'll, if, if someone asks in Facebook, I'm sure I'd, I'd be willing to put, put it up there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> go, to our, go to our Facebook group now and ask there. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's take a quick break. We come back. We've got some great questions from our listeners. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. Charlotte? You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how they're performing. Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim? Okay. Let us help you grow your business. Bailey? So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim? You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim! Sorry. Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous. Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, uh, now you have me making puns. Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the curtain on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. All right, the first question here is from Brenda Michelin. 
404 errors. Some pages are genuine 404 pages. They're never coming back and there's no other page to redirect to. No backlinks exist marked as no index. As a practice, should every 404 page be re redirected somewhere, even if it is the home page? Is the goal to always have zero pages that show as 404 in Search Console? Hmm, we've had this one before. We've talked about this before a yeah. number of times. Let's, let's, let's first start it's a, with- It's, it's a tricky one for some. Yeah, let's first start with the idea of what she's describing, right? Hmm. The 404 errors. Some pages are genuine for they are never coming back. That's not a 404. That's a 410. If it's never, ever coming back, you want to use a 410 error, not a 404 error. So, because I've had pages where the page disappears, it's a 404, it does not exist, but it might come back someday. That's definitely a 404. Um, 410 is actually a better error code to use in this situation she's describing here. <laughs> I can't say I've ever used it, but that's, that's a great piece of info. Yeah. Do you guys use it regularly? Um, right now, we don't 404 stuff on purpose very much. And, and when you're taking stuff away that's been there for a long time, whether a long time or not, but you know the page has been indexed and you know it's never coming back, um, 410 is the way to go. Um, I haven't run across it since I've been back at Advance yet, so I mm -hmm. don't know. I don't actually know what our new CMS does. Yeah, I haven't actually seen it, I don't think, or if it's there, I've never noticed it on a particular client site. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 but I guess back to the core question here, though, is if, you know, should uh, every 404 page be redirected somewhere? I think that's really the crux of this all. And and that's a very good question. And, and we've had this discussion before in regards to my old news site. Um, we've had, like I've had on Stepforth News posted since 2000, yeah. 2001. Um, and it was too much. It was just too much. There's such old designs. It was going to cost me way more money than ever to fix it all in time. So I actually ended up removing it. And, you know, we talked about whether or not I should have left it. That was another issue. But if I remove it, what do I do with all the 404s, like the, the potential traffic to that? Should I send it just to the news homepage or to relevant content? Well, obviously, if I knew relevant content from some of those past ones, I would probably send it there. Um, although that is in itself quite a bit of work. Um, however, in this case, I believe, and this is where you and I differed, I think, I should have probably done a 404 in a purist fashion, but I sent them to news.stepforth at that time. And and I've evolved on this somewhat as, and it's different from, to me, it's different from a small site. And I consider a small site like under 10,000 pages. For a very large site that has hundreds of thousands of pages or more, um, one of the projects I want to do back in advance is look at our new sites. We have millions of pages on our sites and there's no reason to have a bunch of old outdated content. But the first thing I want to do is determine, okay, does any of that content a have backlinks B drive any traffic at all? And, and if once I determine that there's going to be a chunk of sites that don't have backlinks or a chunk of pages, I say that don't have any backlinks, don't drive any traffic. And, and I can say like in the past six months, it's zero traffic. There's zero backlinks. I would 404 everyone or actually 410 every one of those pages. If it has backlinks, if it's driving any kind of traffic at this point, I'd probably leave it alone. Um, but if, if we need to do consolidated, consolidate any kind of pages like that because we want to get rid of archives at some level. If it, if it has a backlink, if it has traffic, then it gets a redirect. There you go. Excellent question there, Brenda. Thank you very much. Uh, the next question is from Zena Scott. Links. <laughs> Gah. Yeah, no, <laughs> feeling. A client has asked me to build a useful links page for their site, which isn't something I've done since about 2006. <laughs> I <remember laughs> I'd always thought that links in a content would serve the site better. What are your thoughts? Do I go ahead and build a links page or recommend a new content page, which I'd much rather do? Would a links page negatively affect a website? <laughs> so uh, I am with you. I think links from within content make way more sense um, and it's, serves a, a far better purpose. If it was a page that was about, you know, places you sponsored or, or partners, you know, fine, that, that makes some sense. Um, if you really think it's necessary. Um, you know, if you talk about uh, charities that you support, all that stuff, I think that's fantastic. There should be a page. If you can do a full page on that, well, kudos, <laughs> you're busy. Um, but 
after that, a links page for the sake of reciprocal links? God, no, I wouldn't touch with a template pole. I was really glad she didn't mention reciprocating in this question because that, that would change. That would have changed it completely. But useful links is, to me, it's another word for creating a resource page, right? If you if there's resources that you don't provide on your site and you want to collect them in a single place, that makes sense. But don't just put a list of links. Say, here's links to resource type A. Here's links to resource type B. For each one of those resources, write a little paragraph describing why it's a good resource for, mm-hmm. for your visitors to, to visit. You know, Make sure yeah. there's some content around those links, and, whether it's in a content page or even on a list of resources. And if there's a validity to doing this, you could always turn it into a uh, Q&A page. Uh, with yeah. and, and, you know, and you can use Q&A markup. Well, that's where I was going for this. Yeah, use yeah. the markup and get some a little extra benefit out of it. Um, you know, as long as there's some merit to it, otherwise it could border on a little spammy. But um, yeah, to term things in the form of questions is a good idea because a lot of questions are, uh, that's how people search. Yep. Uh, so you might get a little more extra traffic out of that. In fact, I would pretty much bet you would. So there you go. Um, in terms of how you would handle this with the client, um, you know, I think just, put a good SEO spin on it. Like we just talked about, there's ways to make this good, make it look nice. Definitely add the content that, uh, that John mentioned. And, uh, uh, you know, there you go. I think that would turn out to be a pretty beneficial page, especially if it is a resource page, like you talked, like you talked about and not a reciprocal page, which was my first. Yeah. And just for, to make sure people understand reciprocal reciprocal, there used to be a a thing that we used to do way back in couple decades ago seems like <laughs> it does seem like oh it's not far off yeah where you know you would know another webmaster and you you would make relationships with the master and you build a page of links to useful links and each of you would put each other's websites um and the beginning it was to trade traffic um then once page rank came <laughs> to, to, to trade page rank and that quickly became a black hat technique, which is called reciprocal linking. I'll link to your site. If you link to my site was, was a tactic. It had a little bit of weight. Or of a gray hat thing. It never really yeah. caused you problems. It just, it, they just invalidated any benefit from it. Yeah. So it, it's not something that has any benefit from an SEO standpoint anymore at all. It could get you in trouble. I, although I guess in this sense, you know, if CNN links to you and they want to link back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll even create a page about it. <laughs> uh, you link to me first and then I'll write a blog post about how you link to me and it will be <laughs> Exactly. Uh, okay. One more question here. Um, Andy Gallagher. Hi all. I work on an e-commerce site and we have specific Black Friday pages. Uh, Black Friday jacket sale, for example. Should these categories be canonicalized to the main Black Friday sale page? Canonicalized to the ex- corresponding evergreen category page? jackets, for example, or just left alone. I'm keen to avoid duplicate content and don't want search engines to be given conflicting information about which page should rank. Hmm. Interesting. So for me, if it's, if you have a, if you have a blue jean jacket and you have a product page for your blue, blue jean jacket, um, and then you have another product page for the same blue jean jacket that's a Black Friday sale version. That's a problem to begin with, right? Yeah, I almost wouldn't index it, although, or leave it indexed, but then um, maybe you would. It's oh, a lot of work. I mean, you could technically take the original one and canonicalize it to Black Friday sale temporarily. So, my, my theory about this, especially with content, especially inventory-based content like products, it goes back to, <laughs> we should start this part, it goes back to database management 101. Mm-hmm. <laughs> database management 101 is you never have the same data in different fields in a database. You always only have data in one place in your entire database and you reference it from other fields, right? This is exactly the same for products in navigation and targeting in, in e-commerce sites. You only ever have a product, one product page in your entire inventory. If you need to reference it in other ways, create other pages of content that reference that. So if you, ha- if you want to create a page about 
Black Friday jacket sale, create a great page about Black Friday jacket sale, but don't make it a product page. Make it a some other type of content page. Put call to actions that point over to your product if you want to buy it. You know, or list links to the products, like, yeah, a, like an whatever. ad page. But don't create another product specifically for, for Black Friday. Mm-hmm. The other thought I have is you do what John just said, but then when you get to that page, you could use a different skin for that page for that day. That's Black yeah, Friday sale. Exactly. You can update the page for the, and then, but just don't change the content. Just use visuals. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good point, Ross. All right. Well, I mean, you could even lead with that. Uh, there's a lot of options there, but you know, that's great. I think uh, that's far sounder advice from John there for the, a page, uh, making sure that there aren't multiple copies of the page. So uh, I hope that helps you, Andy. Now we've got a few other questions, but we're going to get to those the next show. Keep keep it coming, guys. This is a lot of fun. We love getting your questions. Yeah. And I'm sorry I was a little lax on answering people and, and, and participating on our Facebook group this week. I've been super busy, but I try to as much as I can. Yeah. And, and thank you for doing that. I'm not so good at it. I've Running two businesses and no, oh, it's just a little too much, <laughs> but uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to get back in there. How, and, and I know. How do they find our group again? If they haven't joined already. Uh, Facebook. Well, I'll get to that in a sec here. So right. uh, uh, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of step forth web marketing and John Carcutt, the director of SEO for advanced local. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Facebook group. Easily found by searching SEO 101 podcast on Facebook. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd appreciate any feedback on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast stream. We're everywhere. Have a great week and remember to tune to future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com.